Hey, it's Tim here. Thanks so much for coming over to check out my new podcast, The Big Mouth. Before we get into today's episode, got a big favor to ask you. It's going to mean the world to me if you leave a star rating, you comment on the episode or share it with your friends. It'll help me out and help get The Big Mouth out there. Hope you enjoy today's episode. It's a very special episode of The Big Mouth ahead today, celebrating Disability Pride Month with a VIP guest, Reggie from Big Brother. You're not going to want to miss this one. If you feel like a misfit in a world full of pretenders, then I want to be your friend. Join me each week on the journey of not giving a fuck. So stop trying to fit in and stand out. You don't need to be perfect, you just need to get real. This is The Big Mouth with Tim Dormer. Subscribe now for free to make sure you don't miss out on an episode. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Big Mouth to celebrate Disability Pride Month. Here in Australia and around the world, July is an important time to bring awareness and celebrate all things disability. And this is a cause that's close to me personally. It might come as a surprise to some that when I'm not running amok on TV in the Big Brother house or recording this podcast, my everyday job is as a disability support carer. It's a role that's brought me a lot of purpose in life, uh, but not something that I've shared much publicly. So I'm thrilled to share my pride today alongside my amazing clients I've had the pleasure to work with and everybody else listening who is celebrating disability pride. And how radical is that in itself? The idea that a disabled person can feel proud of who they are. I mean, it's often the opposite way that most people think, isn't it? There's a common sad perception of disability as a tragedy and that people with disabilities might feel ashamed and experience exclusion on a daily basis. Disability pride is about reclaiming the word disability from being seen as a negative thing to a word of pride, meaning and power. Disability Pride Month is an opportunity to share stories and experiences to build inclusion and to change perceptions to smash stigmas. My aim this episode is a chance for us all to feel included. Let's unite under what we've got in common and not see our differences. It's a chance for non-ability challenged people to learn that many of the barriers that disabled people face, they're due to an inaccessible society and not because of body or minds being different. Disability pride is about acknowledging that disability is an aspect of culture and identity. It's a part of human diversity. It's a chance to acknowledge all the different ways human minds and bodies can manifest. It's what makes us human. Did you know that people with disabilities make up around 20% of the population? 
That's one in five people. And if that's a surprise to you, maybe it's because many disabilities are not visible. Would you believe that up to 80% of disabilities are what we call invisible? But regardless, people living with a disability often experience great shame about asking for support and they live trying to hide. In this episode, I hope to provide a platform to shine light on disability and discuss some of the hard stuff and celebrate the good stuff. I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who saw my social media post asking for your questions on the topic of disability to discuss today. Wow, I'm just blown away with the responses. Not only your questions, but also the amount of beautiful people who shared their stories and experiences of living with disability. I wish I had the time to showcase them all today, but I just want to say thank you. I want you to know that you're seen and heard. Whether it was a story of triumph or of sadness or joy, I'm so honoured that you've shared your experience with me. So a huge shout out to everyone listening who is living with disability, whether your ability challenged yourself and proudly living your purpose, sharing your experience, or maybe you are a carer of someone living with a disability. It could be in a paid or volunteer role, or maybe you're a loved one caring for a family member, a friend or spouse. Gosh, it's not always easy, but boy, is it a rewarding role. I want to honour you for your compassion, acceptance and kindness. You are all heroes. Which brings me to introduce a very special guest. She's my hero, my queen, someone living with a disability, but has just won the reality TV series Big Brother for the second time around. It's Reggie. Welcome to the Big Mouth. Oh, thank you, Tim. That was so beautiful. I want to cry. <laughs> it's that's what it did. Oh, yeah. No, it's, this is just so special to have yeah. you on the show. And I think what wasn't acknowledged was that you won Big Brother at the start of Disability Pride Month. Like, yeah. you must be stoked. How amazing is that? Oh, look, what a month to win it. It's, it is unbelievable. And I'm just, you know, so proud of what I achieved um, in the Big Brother house. So um, I'm very proud, Tim. Yeah. And, and Excellent. Yeah. Well, what a better way to finish Disability Pride Month than get you on the big mouth to ask you some of the questions. Before we get to answering the listener questions, I've got some for you first, Reggie. Oh, okay. And in true Tim Big Mouth fashion, I'm going to ask some hard ones, oh. some dumb ones, yeah. and some not so politically correct ones. Is that okay? Okay. Hit me up. Okay. <laughs> First off, for anyone listening who's not aware of your story, can you share with us what your experiences are of living with disability? Okay, so I have an eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa. Um, I only have nine degrees of pinhole vision. I don't have peripheral vision and I don't have night vision. So I explain it that I look through a a straw. Um, That's how much I can see. And... I didn't know that I had this eye disease um, until I was diagnosed. Oh, I was 29, um, yeah, when I finally found out. Um, yeah, and, it, and it's deteriorated rapidly over the years. So it's um, hard to live with and it's also frustrating. Um, I went through a lot of depression over the years. and But now, you know, I pulled myself together and I just got to get on, get on with life. 
Yeah, I think that's what everyone watching Big Brother first time around and now again um, has fallen in love with you, Reggie, because yeah. that's your attitude. You you kind of haven't let it limit you and you ended up winning the show and, and I think it was just a fantastic representation for disabled people and non-disabled people that you can do anything, yeah. that, that don't let yourself be limited by by physical challenges or... Yeah, like it's, it is hard. Like it's hard but I just got to get on with it, Tim. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard question for you. Do, mm. you. do you ever wish that you weren't in this situation? Like how do you deal with the cards you've been dealt in life and make sense of the why? Like why has this happened to you? Yeah, I've never really, I've never really done the um, why me um, thing. I, I just look, it's happened. Um, I don't know, why, I don't know why, but you know, I put it down in my Tasmanian genetics, and they're not the best. It's <laughs> <laughs> coming from ta- Tassie. Well, I, I, I saw a, um, oh, a genetic specialist, and he even said like. Part of growing up in Tasmania, he put it down to that, um, why I have this eye disease. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, anyway, that's another story there, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> You've got five fingers, yeah? <laughs> oh, yes, five fingers. You were saying that you're proud. Um, do you think that you've chosen to see these challenges as an opportunity? I am now. It took me a while though, Tim, I must say, like I can remember when I first was given, um, I started wearing I'm vision impaired badge. I have low vision badge. Um, And I started wearing that at the supermarket and I was just so embarrassed to wear it and I'm like, but it helped. And then when I got my cane, that was another hurdle again I had to get into my head like it's, it's not embarrassing it's there to make people aware that you can't see properly. So, and now I cannot live without the cane. Like if I go to the shops um, and, and if I've forgotten my cane, I will just turn straight around. I, I will go back home. I, I just can't face it. Wow. Yeah, because the crowds, crowds of people, Is, it's hard to navigate. And I guess new locations that you're not used Ooh. to. Um yeah, is that, that must be pretty difficult without the cane, almost impossible. Oh, it's daunting. It is so daunting, especially like, um, yeah, when I do go to a new area that I'm not familiar with, um, it's scary. It's really scary. Um, the, the anxiety that riddles my body, it's just like, oh, I just want to cry. It's, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you were mentioning the badge that you wear, I guess, to let other people know do you ever get questioned on your disability? I guess blindness, other than your behaviour, um, nothing physically about you, we'd know that that mm. you were disabled. Do you sometimes have people questioning whether or not you are disabled? Yeah, yeah. People look at me because they look at my eyes and they go, oh, you don't look blind. You know, I'll get that all the time. Oh, you don't look blind because mm. I've got pretty pretty eyes and um and I go yeah well they're just dying so um I (laughs) even I get a lot when I jump when I jump into um taxis if I don't have a regular taxi driver they'll because I've got a TSS card um which gives you a discount on your taxi fare so when they look at that 
they go, oh, what, what do you got this for? Like, why, why do you have this card? You're, you're, you're too young to have this. Like, and it's like, well, I'm going, wow. yeah, I'm, yep. I'm going blind. So that's why I have this card. Mm, and I guess a lot of people are going to relate to that, the invisible disabilities. A lot of the questions we got were on this topic. It must be hard and sometimes humiliating for those who feel that they have to prove themselves to people. Mm. Yeah, because there is a lot of disabilities out there that are not visible. Like, like Look at my son, for mm. instance, Lucas. He has cystic fibrosis, Yeah, which is a horrific, horrific um, thing to have. But everyone looks at him and goes, oh, he doesn't look sick. But deep down inside, his little body's just fighting every day to stay mm. healthy. How is Lucas going lately? Yeah, he's um, he's not well again. Um, he's Because oh. he had this flu and then he was really, really crook. And we was touch and go whether we were going to end up in hospital. And then he come, mm. then he come okay, but now he's gone uh, downhill again. So, oh, I'm sorry to hear, Ed. Yeah. That was all happening during the finale week, and yeah. I mean, just you being away from the kids last year must have been so hard for you. Oh, I mean, yeah. you're a carer for him as well as yourself, a person living with disability. Yeah, and, yeah. And you take it all in your stride, and and you're an inspiration, woman. You're a real. You're a real good um, role model, I think. Thanks, Tim. Okay, well, let's open this up to some of the listeners' questions, and I asked them to submit online, and there were some fantastic ones. Like I said, we don't have time to answer all of them, but we're going to try. A question from Jess Dunn on Instagram. What is Reggie's biggest everyday challenge she has since her disability is progressing and getting worse? What does she miss most that she used to be able to do but cannot anymore on her own or at all? Uh, what I miss the most is going out at night time by myself. Um, I, yeah. That really frightens me. So, and I always have I have this paranoia like getting into Ubers or or taxis like by myself um, when yeah. I'm when I'm wearing my um, I my low vision badge because I think oh imagine if I've got someone dodgy and they can see that I'm I can't see and take advantage of me. That's one of my biggest fears. I know it's crazy, yeah. but that's, wow. what I, that's what I... No, that's totally understandable. And I, I think a lot of people with disability would share that anxiety of, mm. of going out and, and not having your independence and relying. I guess you put a lot yeah. of trust and faith in other yeah. people, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. And um, and even if I were to go somewhere, I, I've always got to have, like, if I was to go out overnight, I have to have someone with me. I just can't can't do it. It's, yeah. It scares me. Yeah. I was I was thinking just back to the after party of the Big Brother finale where the lights were real low oh. and, and you were sitting down at the booth and, I mean, that must have just been chaos for you with yeah. so many people in the room. You couldn't see a thing and we thought, oh, gosh, this is Reggie's party and, and she can't even <laughs> walk around the room. I and couldn't Something see. as simple as can we turn the lights up, please? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was that was daunting Tim I couldn't see and, mm, and everyone was mm. coming up to me and I'm like oh you're gonna have to tell me who you are because I cannot see yeah. you at all so and I pretty much sat sat in the corner there for quite most of the night I got up and yeah. had, a, had a couple of dances um but yeah I was, it was too um daunting to move around in there yeah, yeah simple so, things that I guess 
you take for granted, but yeah. it, for you it's it can be quite challenging. Yeah, yeah. We've got another question from Lindsay on Facebook. Uh, Lindsay says she's hard of hearing since being a child. Um, it's definitely caused some challenges, but she's got some questions for you, Reggie. Yeah. How did you cope in the finale with all the bright, and flashing lights it looked really uncomfortable oh no well I how was, did you find that yeah i was sitting in the court or where uh the three of us were sitting on the stools um i knew that there was two steps so because the uh yep the guys the crew would come and say right reggie up one step two steps so i knew there was two steps there but i had to have someone hold my hand to get up and down the, the steps because yep. um, in case i missed it when I first walked out those doors, yeah, it was um, a bit scary walking down that plank. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> well, that was really special, I think, for people to watch was that there was so many times on the show that people helped you and it was just yeah. really lovely, I think. Yeah. I can remember one time, didn't someone walk you into the wall? <laughs> yeah, Sam <laughs> we were, did in the eviction room. Sam. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> well, that was another one of Lindsay's questions. Who helped you the most in the house? But I think everyone, everyone. put their their time in, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. everyone of uh, of the housemates helped me, and it was just beautiful. Like it didn't matter what was going on in you know gameplay and all that kind of stuff, but everyone helped me, and um, yeah, it, they did. It goes to show how. A caring bunch of people you all were. Oh, fantastic. Well, Lindsay also said, were you scared when doing the challenges? How much of them could you see what you were doing? And was there someone there from the crew to give you instructions? Do you want to share a bit about that process? Yeah, so um, before going in to face the challenges, uh, they would explain everything to all of us in a group, but then I, the crew would pull me aside, risky uh um, he would pull me aside and take me through everything step by step and say, look, Reg, mm. you know, that there's there's going to be five steps for you to run up and down. And and I, um, I remember in the basement when we were, we had to walk along the plank with holding this oh, ropes and things, but they would put, yeah. put the white, they would put white tape at the end to on make, the ground that's on, right yeah yep. just just to let me know i'm about to fall like in case i fell off the edge so they put tape down it was a challenge they put tape down on the stairs so i could because the stairs were all black and i could not see it all blended into one I couldn't, mm. so they put tape white tape around that so they would put things in place like sticky tape to help me um but they always went, yeah. went through everything to make sure um I was going to be okay and safe, as safe as I could. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you you gave it your best shot with all the challenges. I just think it's fantastic. If anyone thought that you'd be limited in all those physical challenges, I mean, you won the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's Lindsay's final question was, what advice would you give anyone else that has a disability and wants to enter a reality show? What would you say? Oh, don't let it hold you back. Go for it. Like you only live once and um, make the most of it. Well, yeah, gosh, just get out there and have a go. You'd be surprised of what you can achieve. And I was actually quite surprised at what I did achieve in there. And, um, and I come out bloody proud. Yeah, I'm just stoked. Just... <laughs> Yeah, super proud of myself. All right. Now a question from Linda. 
Uh, she says, I'm a deaf lady. It's hard when people don't understand your situation. I had a lady call from the real estate that I rented and my daughter answered and told her I was deaf. Her reply was, can I call her when she's better? No. <laughs> Sorry, Linda. It's a funny story, but it must be quite frustrating for people with disabilities to be so misunderstood. And I want to talk now about invisible disabilities. We mentioned it earlier. Uh, we received so many questions about this, Reggie, whether they're physical or mental disabilities. Mm. It's important to know that not all disabilities are visible. No. And often people might receive comments like, you don't look sick or, or you don't look blind. Fiona from Twitter has written, would love to hear Reggie's thoughts on invisible disabilities and how the community can be more mindful of those living with one. Well, my mum is a paranoid schizophrenic, so I grew up with mum being in and out of mental hospital um, all, all my life. Wow. Yeah, so we had to become pretty much a carer for her like growing up because my dad was a merchant seaman and he would be away at sea for months and months on end. Yeah, people who have an invisible illness, like like it is, could be bipolar and, and schizophrenia. Like it's people, I think we need to grow up having empathy, Tim. A lot of people don't mm, have empathy mm. in us and, and understanding and and a lot of it starts, I think, Tim, education needs to start at school. We all need to be educated about disabilities in school. And that's where I think it needs to, to start, like, so people have understanding. It's education. Yeah. It, I mean, it would be so hard to explain to a child what mental illness is. But I, mm. like you said, to start early, remove the stigma that, I mean, oh. Kel Taylor, she's she's written in a question saying mental illness is a disability that gets forgotten a lot because of its invisible nature to the to the everyday person, but it's just as important as a physical impairment. Yeah. All disabilities need to be recognised and acknowledged equally. So yeah. that, I guess that's that's part of Disability Pride Month is to talk about bringing awareness to the whole, the full scope of, of people living with disabilities that... I guess people have such a narrow understanding or, or an ignorance yeah, it's, about... Yeah, it's an ignorance. Um, yeah. Because I can remember mum um, when she'd have her episodes and I remember in the supermarket when I was younger and she was just lo like totally lost it and screaming and yelling and everyone was just staring at us. And even, even times where mum, she, I thought she was possessed by the devil. No, honestly, wow. yeah, like I remember she just... It was awful and growing up like, and it was, mental illness is, was like, an it was embarrassing. It was like, you, mm. it wasn't spoken about, it wasn't, mm. it's like, it was like mum was this thing that should be locked away in a hospital and, you know, um, it was just awful and it's come it's getting new tim but it needs a lot more it, it needs a lot more yeah well let's talk about for you particularly um mobility challenge what about accessibility in the community i mean many of the problems oh. of um in the lives of people with disability are because society is inaccessible in a number of important ways whether that's transport entering buildings houses lack of employment opportunities, lack of education. Oh, yeah. It's all these things that actually create disability socially. Yeah. 
Um, Annette Brown, uh, she said, it would be great for people not living with a disability to understand how isolating it can be as the person with the disability and the family too, especially when reliant on using wheelchairs in a world that's not wheelchair friendly. Reggie, do you think that it should be mandatory for all public places and shops and businesses to be accessible for everyone? Oh, I wish it was, Tim. I really do. Um, you know, we live in the, what, 2022 and you can still go into a shop these days. Is Where a wheelchair won't even fit and even yeah. going in with a, a cane, oh, it's just frustrating. It's so frustrating. It really is. It's... Um, I just don't understand why we're not building things um, to make it better for people, yeah, with, with mobility issues as well. Like, it's just madness. It, it has to change. Well, Melissa Schumann, she's written, I don't know what it's like in other parts of the world, but here in the US, it's very difficult to travel with someone who is 100% physically dependent and requires diapers and nappies. So many caregivers and people with disabilities, they wind up confined to their homes simply because the infrastructure isn't in place for something as simple as bathroom needs. I mean, it must be so isolating. Mm. It causes so much anxiety. Is it any wonder why some people with disability feel like they should hide, feel a sense of shame to ask for assistance? Mm. Um, I mean... What what would that be like to feel so isolated that you don't even leave the house without? Well, yeah, because sometimes you know, like, oh, I, I I found it hard with the when I had the kids when they were younger, um, yeah, because they would wanted to go to movie world or sea world or uh, look, I took them, and I'm like, I'm never going back there ever again. It was just a nightmare. So. Really? Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just people don't um, move out the way, or or that abuse me. And um, I've ran out of the shopping centres being abused because I accidentally hit someone with my cane. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's it's um. It makes you not want to go out sometimes. You know, you're just like oh, it's because it's too hard. It's too hard. And then that's when you know I went through my depression. You know, you. you yeah, yeah, everything just gets on top of you and it's hard. It imagine. is. It's hard. Like there's a lot of people out there who've got high needs as well. And I've got a girlfriend, mm. her daughter, um, oh, she is severely autistic and nonverbal. And I see what Louise goes through with um, with her and it's it's super hard. She, to take her out into the community, like she, she needs two, two people to help her. Yeah to go anywhere just to, to help get around. There's the other end of the spectrum as well, but can it get annoying when people make too much of a fuss about you and or they treat you differently, maybe disregard what you can actually do and, and fuss over you? Is, it, is that something you've experienced? Yeah, because I don't ever ask for help. I've always been mm. independent. I don't like asking for help. I just feel because I feel like I'm I'm being a pain to, to people, and I don't ever want to be a burden to anyone. So, um, yeah, but everyone's just trying to be. I look at it now, and everyone's just trying to be kind. And I should accept more help than what I do. How do you feel about um, getting support care assistance? Let's talk about that now. Yeah, um, which is the role I do, like my link with disability care. 
How much of a, a role does that play in your life, Reggie? Um, well, now I'm on the um, NDIS, so I have a carer yep. come in to take me shopping, grocery shopping. And even with that, I know that I need it, but I still hate yep. it. I know, I know that sounds horrible. <laughs> I know it sounds horrible because yeah. I want to try and be as independent as possible, but i just got to learn. I'm still learning to try and accept get over that so I have to learn there's so many things I've got to put in place Tim because when my eyesight's mm. totally gone I need to have all the skills at my sleeve so the kids are going to be left home you know they're going to grow up and leave and, and that's another thing that I'm I have on the back of my mind that scares me um, mm. that I'm going to be alone mm. not be able to see anything but I've, I've got to get my self sorted um yeah, so NDIS, that, that's, that's been a, a blessing to have that help come into my life. Yeah, we're, we're so lucky in Australia, the, the system of the NDIS to help people with disability get the support they need. I mean, it's still a system that's got a long way to go but comes so far. And I guess part of that is, is finding, finding good carers. Joy Jenkins wrote, good carers are so hard to find, people that actually care and aren't in it just for the money. Some mm. of the respite institutions need to learn that these people are humans, they deserve better treatment. Um, yeah, she tells awful stories of uh, a friend whose son is 30 and he goes to respite once a month and they just put him to bed in the afternoon because they're so short-staffed. Oh, um, I guess for families of people with disability, it, it must be hard work but also they're putting a lot of faith and trust in asking a stranger to care for their loved one mm. um i mean if i can talk about my role now i feel such an honor becoming a part of these families i mean as a care support worker you don't just work with the client you're you deal with the family and 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 they're your point of contact and and, and you become part of the family and it's such a joy to have that role. And I just, I, I don't know, I started out working in um, a, a group home where there were people with really high needs, non-mobile, non-verbal, and here was me, Tim from Big Brother, feeding them with a spoon and, and doing things like changing diapers. And I just thought, gosh, this is somebody's son or some of them yeah. were parents and I think... Wouldn't you love to know that that your loved one was in good hands? I think um, it's a an important role to be a carer. It's a big responsibility that you wouldn't just do it for the money. Lana Brerley wrote, "Hey Tim, how did you become a disability support worker, and what does it involve?" I've been doing disability support care work for about five years now in a paid role. Um, I have a couple of clients that I still work with, freelance through the NDIS, but I started out as a volunteer, uh, it was about 10 years ago, with Down Syndrome New South Wales. They have a young adult social program called The Up Club. Shout out to Down Syndrome New South Wales. Oh my goodness, it was so much fun volunteering with them, getting together, out in community, having fun. Oh, I'll never forget karaoke nights, dinners, boat cruise parties, just so much fun. Uh, that's a great foot in the door, volunteer work. Um, but then I went and I did Big Brother, got busy in that world. Uh, but it got to a point where I wasn't really having fun anymore and, and I was looking for a bit more meaning and purpose. I wanted to challenge myself to be known for something more than just 
reality TV. I had a friend who worked as a support carer and suggested that I apply for a job. Uh, she worked with a wonderful organisation called the Disability Trust. Shout out to the staff and clients with the Disability Trust. Um, they were great and they provided all my training on the job. I, I started up at this group home that was really hard work and I, I would drive home sometimes thinking, I'm not cut out for this, I can't do this. I'd have a really hard day with there's some behaviours that were really hard to deal with and there was a lot of pressure. I was, um, I mean, I got all the training to to do medication administration. It, it was it was a really full-on job to, to be thrown into, into the care world. And, um, but it, it was so rewarding to, I think, to feel like my life had purpose and it made me have such a sense of gratitude for, for what I had in life that, that I had no excuses. I was so inspired by the resilience of some of these clients that I worked with that like yourself, they, they didn't want to, they didn't want pity. They didn't want any special treatment. They just got on with it. And it does teach you a lot about humans. It teaches you a lot about yourself and, and like you said, empathy. And I think, yeah, I, yeah, I, I just have so gratitude and respect for the other care workers that I worked with. I met some real angels, like mothers who had their own families at home, but they'd come in and just care for these these people, these clients, as, as though they were their own children. It was just beautiful to see the best of humanity, I think, yeah. um, it brings out in this world. Oh, Naomi Ralph said she has CP, cerebral palsy, and she cares for her husband on the spectrum. We both have an amazing team of support staff that help us with our daily living. What led you, Tim, to become a support worker? How long have you been a support worker? And what do you find the most rewarding? Just helping somebody achieve what they want to do in their life. For me as a support care worker, I mean, that's what we're taught as support care workers, that our role is to help our clients maintain choice in their life, to be able to do whatever they want and control that that they have the independence to choose what they need and what they want. And to be able to give someone that, that's that's really rewarding in itself. It's a it's a friendship in a way. And and my clients have become such big influences in my own life that I learn from. I will never forget the day that I worked at this group and there were young adults, uh, a lot of mental health um, and intellectual challenges that I worked with and they were just so much fun. And I actually went through a really hard breakup and I remember turning up at work and two of the girls said, all right, Tim, we're taking you out on a date today. And they took me on a picnic date and it was oh, just how beautiful. Wow, like so much love given back. And yeah, it's it is one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in. So yeah, if anyone else is thinking about it, I, I would say if yeah, if you want more purpose and passion in your life, start living helping somebody else find theirs. That, yeah. that gives you purpose and passion. 
Yeah. So uh, nowadays I work freelance as a support care worker. There's some amazing apps out there. I work with the app Mabel, but higher up's another big one. Um, yeah, through the NDIS, you can do the training and links you with clients and in your local area. It's a, I had some really fantastic life um, friendships that, that I've made. There's been some challenging. One day, Reggie, I, um, I worked with this guy who was 20 and he was autistic and he had a lot of behavioural management problems. He, he would get quite angry quite quickly. Um, and he was in trouble with the police. Um, there'd been some some outbursts at home where neighbours had called the police and the police had put AVOs out to protect his own family. The family didn't want them put out. It just made it so challenging But because he just couldn't regulate his emotions of anger. And we were we were going through the courts together to fight this and and one day at home I dropped him off and he he got into an argument with his dad and 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 started yelling and and getting aggressive and a neighbor called the police and I I just I, t- I turned around and and coming towards us were five police hands on their pockets on the holsters and and I I thought, wow, my, my client is not going to understand the severity of this situation. He's this is this is really serious. And I just said to him, sit down, close your eyes, just think of the beach we were just at. And I turned around and I ran down towards the police and I said, Stop. He is wow. autistic. He has no no sense of what's happening right now and he is going to react in um could you please this is a very threatening posture he's not a threat to anyone but himself right now and was able to kind of diffuse the situation and the police were wonderful but there's so many situations like that I guess yeah that the police are uh, acting and 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 trying to protect the community, but but mm-hmm. I mean, like it's it's an invisible disability, yeah. autism. You do, they don't know. They just see someone acting aggressive, and that's yeah, what, that, that, that was a hard day at the office. That oh, one. Okay. I remember coming home and I thought, wow, like you made a difference today. I was so scared. Like it was a really really scary situation, but I just yeah, okay. in this job. That, yeah. ha- that happened to yeah. mum, yeah, when we were growing up. I would have been about well, 16, I think, 17. Um, yeah. And I remember coming home and mum was have it, had an episode and someone must have called uh, the police And because I, I come home, that's right, and I, me- I remember there was broken photos, glass everywhere, all outside. She threw all the wow. photos on the lawn and, and, yeah, and the police come and, uh, handcuff. I remember him throwing her on the ground and handcuffing her and taking her away. And like it was just awful. It was so horrible to him. Yeah. And I was like, wow, they just didn't and un- yeah, didn't understand and you know, didn't know her situation. That must have been so scary for you as a mm. kid to watch oh, yeah. him. I mean, yeah, that's that's what we're here for. That's what yeah. Disability Pride Month is about, is talking about, um, yeah, just removing the stigma, like bringing it out of the shadow that sometimes it is excruciatingly hard and, and we don't have the answers all worked out yet as a society, but the more we can talk about it, the more uh, we can head in the right direction. Yeah. 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 I'm glad we're doing well, this. We-
Yes, it's fantastic. We got some amazing pride stories as well came in. Taylor Corey, now she has written, I have an intellectual disability. I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was five years old and now I'm an Australian dual Paralympic Games silver medalist and a three times world championship bronze medalist and I'm proud of my disability. I love Taylor. Taylor messages quite a bit. Like there, there are some amazing people who are are proud of of their disability. I mean, you yourself um, have have had such an achievement. Do you think you'd ever compete in the Paralympics, Reg? That's <laughs> that, it's been one of my goals, my dreams, Tim. I really, I've been yeah, yeah. I've been saying it for so many years. I would love to do the tandem bike, like get on a tandem bike with someone. Are you a bike rider? I love riding bikes. But I can't do bike <laughs> but I can't do it by myself anymore because I know I'm gonna get knocked off it. So because <laughs> I would yeah. I wouldn't be able to Okay. Yeah. I would really love to well, hook up with someone and um let's put the call out if if you would like to join reggie yeah. at the paralympics on the tandem bike yeah then get in touch <laughs> well, look, got, well, Queens, oh, i love it yeah queensland's hosting you know the the olympics i'll be i'll be i'll buy them but anyway i'd give it a good hot crack <laughs> but no I've yeah always, you can do it reg yeah i've always wanted um, another one from Megan Mofat. She said, my son is 23. He loves it when we go to the shops with his cane. 99% of the time it's like he's got a bubble around him and everyone stands back until he passes and he hold, and they hold back their screaming kids. Lol, she loves it when it's busy as they get in and out a lot quicker. And I think it's just great. I guess there is some perks and you've got to have a sense of humour. Do you ever relate, Reggie? Yes. <laughs> sometimes there are. <laughs> totally relate to that. I um, I need to, I always say I need a, a horn or a, or a zapper, like a cattle prod on the end of my cane. <laughs> Just to tap the ankles of people. Oh, go, oh I need a God. Horn. Yeah, I need a horn on there and go, um, yeah, when, when it... When, <laughs> Reggie's coming through. I'm coming through. Uh, Megan Bailey's written, uh, went, she went out last Saturday night and she's going again this week. She heads to the bar with her wheelie walker and most make room for her. She's alive and living. Oh, oh good on you, Megan. Awesome. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. I remember once on the dance floor there was a girl in a wheelchair and she wanted to dance and I thought in my head, oh, 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 this is awkward. What what do I do? And you know what? I just then I'm just going to hold a hand and we're going to jive and we're going to make it work and it was so much fun and beautiful and she was just giggling and laughing. Oh, that's awesome. I say, like, good on you, those that still go out, make Make the rest of the world make room for you, like yeah. coming through. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like this is fantastic way to end the episode with a few um, funny and, and joyous stories about um, living with disability and not being limited by it, that, that living life to the fullest, it's, it's fantastic that we've been able to both, Reggie, have this platform today to, to yeah. celebrate disabilities I, I'm so proud and honoured to have met you and, and that, that we're friends now and and I hope that everyone listening may have um, felt a little bit of connection today, that instead of excluding people that, that 
that Disability Pride Month is all about inclusion. It's yeah. it's a fantastic way to to make. Ch- oh, definitely, Tim. It's been good having this conversation, and um, I'd love to be able to do it more often to to raise awareness about um, disabilities. And yeah, what a month to do it, and what a month to win big pride disability. Oh, absolutely, Reggie, for you, and that you are now a spokesperson for the community and like wow you've you've done such a great fantastic job and and thank you for coming on the big mouth and joining me for this this special episode thank you tim for having me i love you so much and um now this has been awesome love you too han (laughs) this is the big mouth with tim dormer Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode and leave a comment. Give me a star rating. It all helps get the Big Mouth out there. You can follow me on socials at Tim Dormer and join the Big Mouth conversation. Hashtag the Big Mouth. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.